Well, good morning, church. We are so happy that all of you are here with us this morning. Chances are that almost all of you remember where you were 21 years ago on September the 11th. And I know that it was a shocking, horrific event, but we are so grateful that you've come here this morning. It's so amazing to be able to be in the house of the Lord and to be able to worship together during this time. And our, we're so grateful for our freedom and that we can do this together this morning. So welcome. If you are new or your first time visitor, we'd love to connect with you. We have a number that you can text, 904-441-6900. If you text the word connect to that number, it'll send you a link to our digital connect card. Or you can always step out in the atrium and talk with someone at our welcome desk there. They have a gift for you and they'd love to connect with you. You can also text that same number in the word news and that will send you a link to our digital bulletin if you need that later in the week. I have a couple of announcements that I would like to highlight from your bulletin this morning. There's so much going on here in the next couple of weeks, but this week specifically, this coming Friday, September the 16th, is Flourish. Ladies, this is a multi-generational event for all of us to come together for one big night of worship, and we would love for you all to join us. They're going to be serving hors d'oeuvres beginning at 6.15, and the doors will open at 6.50. We can't wait to all come together for a night to celebrate and worship together to flourish. One more announcement is next Sunday, right after this service, we're going to be holding our groundbreaking service. And Pastor will talk with you more about exactly what that's going to look like and what that means. But before we do that, before we start the demolition on the two garages in the annex building, we have a lot of stuff random stuff that we would like to impart to you. So if you would like to have some of that stuff, we're, we're not going to call it a garage sale. It's more like a rummage giveaway. But if you would like to come next Friday also, September the 16th, from 10 till 6, that will be open. Any donations you would like to give will be going towards the 4G campaign for those new buildings. No, no, we don't need any more stuff. So... Thank you so much. Pastor David will be leading us in our time of worship now. As they say, one man's trash is another man's trash. <laughs> our trash can be your trash. So come and get it. Oh, Lord God, you have only begun to show your servants your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Let's stand and sing about that great God. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty.
on this date, 21 years ago, our country was attacked, but it wasn't only the United States that felt the pain. Citizens of 78 different countries were among those almost 3,000 who died in New York, in Washington, D.C., and in Pennsylvania. Evil was on full display. Fear gripped the nation and the world. What was coming next? Who would be the next target? At that time, many turned to God for comfort and reassurance. The churches were packed because when the rubber hits the road and your back's against the wall and there's no place else to look but up, we, we know that God is still there and God promises to stay with us. Here's how God put it when he was speaking through the prophet Isaiah. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, and the Holy One of Israel your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you, I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life.
those promises that God made through Isaiah. You are mine, I will be with you, you shall not be overwhelmed, you shall not be consumed. Those promises are still ours today. Peter wrote, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has by, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Would you read these last two slides with me? Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So God makes promises upon which we can firmly stand and upon which we can build our lives. Let's stand and sing.
privilege we have to stand on those promises Amen. and we can stand on them today we represent what took place today 21 years ago it's hard to believe that it's 21 years uh, many of us standing here were a little younger then <laughs> but we can still stand on that promise that hasn't changed and praise the Lord for that so let's pray and thank the Lord that he never changes and we can stand on that promise. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you this morning. What a privilege we have, Lord, to participate through our offering. What a privilege we have to give our tithes and our gifts. And Lord, as we look forward to next week when we begin the process of building that new building for our young people, I just really thank you for that. Thank you for the privilege we have to move ahead. That's standing on your promise. And we're standing on that promise that as that building goes up, God will be glorified through it. Through the many people that will work in it, through the many young people that will come, children, teenagers, and we just rejoice in that. Now, Lord, we give you this day. We thank you for it and for your love for us, in Jesus' name. Let's give ourselves as part of the offering. Good morning, church. Good 
Good morning. It's good to see all of you here. Next week, next week, we're going to mark an event that has been years in the preparation. Next week, we're going to do something that became start part of our stated vision in 2014 when we said congregation, we want to do it, and we voted to, to, to move forward with the, the concept. That is providing a safe and secure place for our preschoolers, children, and youth. And I'm so grateful that this day is coming. It's been years in the praying. It's been years in the planning. And next week, we're going to break ground on that family ministry center. Yeah, it's going to be a good day. I hope you'll come and, and join us for that. It's going to be after this worship service next week. And what's going to happen is we're going to gather behind the student center in that we're going to block off some parking spaces there and we're going to go behind the student center and maybe some of you notice the banner that's been put up. That's, we're going to gather around at that place and uh, we're, going to have a, uh, we're going to be turning some dirt. We're going to be taking a nice picture. Uh, we're not going to be doing a lot of talking. I promise you that because it's going to be warm middle day and, and you're Baptist, you're going to want to get to the restaurant, get to Longhorn before anybody else. But then what we're going to do is we're going to turn you loose and we're going to have shovels in places where you can, you can turn the soil with your family or your life group or something. Everyone get a chance in front of, a, in front of one of those banners and you can uh, have your own photo opportunity as, as being that VIP there to turn the soil on the new Family Ministry Center. Doesn't that sound exciting? Yeah, it's going to be great. I can't wait. Hope you'll be there. And then after that, I hope you'll hang in there with us for the next 14 to 18 months because things are going to look different and it's going to look different for you at this service and hope you'll hang in there with us. Um, you know, here's what's going to happen on September 19th. They're going to start putting a fencing up around and all that place, they're going to tear down the the garages and the annex and move a transformer. But, but that whole area, that back parking lot is not going to be accessible to walk except by going off the property on the street to get over here. But we need that parking, so here's what's going to happen. We're going to run multiple shuttles all morning long. And so if you park back there, we will drop you off right at the door. Okay, so please hang in there with us. I know it's going to be a pain. Uh, you can park on any grass you can find, uh, whatever, whatever you can do. But hang in there with us for 14 months because what's going to happen is slowly after that period, it's going to get easing up and easing up. It's going to be more and more accessible as more parts of this project become open. So I don't want you to get say, I can't get to church, so I'm not going to go. We want you to come to church. You need to come to church. Okay, so hang in there with us. And this is what I believe. Perseverance and faith brings us to the promise. Perseverance and faith brings us to the promise. I'm excited. Hope you'll be there with us. And I do want to mention at this free rummage giveaway and you bring your donations, please don't bring your things. You think, well, someone else may want this. I don't care. We don't. We want you to do that on your own time, okay? At your own place. So anyway. Okay, let's move on to the message here. <clears throat> uh, we're doing a message series in the fall. We're calling it 517. 
And uh, 517 stands for John 517, where Jesus was chastised by the Pharisees. They told him, you were healing this guy. You told him to get up and walk and take up his mat on the wrong day. You're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath. Healing is for every other day, not the Sabbath. And Jesus said to him, you know what? My father's working until now. He's working today. I'm going to be working. And this is the point of this message series this fall. We're taking a big picture of the whole Bible. We want to get, we're, we're dipping in at some key stories, accounts in the Bible. And we want to show you that how God was and what he did, he is still God and he is still doing that even to today. We started off with creation. God created the heavens and the earth. God is still creating. He may not be creating a heaven and earth right now, but he's creating a new hearts and lives. Uh, last week you heard about in the Garden of Eden how, um, how sin came into the world. But in the midst of that, God gave hope. He said there's a way to us get past this. God is still giving hope. And today, I want to talk about something else. That God, he makes and keeps promises. Uh, Not only has he made promises for you and me, he keeps them and he keeps them all. And uh, sometimes we don't see him keeping his promises. We don't see him because I think we think or we do things that prevent us from seeing the great things that God is doing. But God makes promises to you and me, and he keeps promises to you and me. And I want to ask you to think about this question while I'm bringing the messages, is what might I be doing that's preventing me from taking God up on his promises? Am I willing to take God up on the promises that he's giving to me? And so we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 6. So I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 6, starting at verse 13. And I invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word. And you say, why are we starting in Hebrews? I thought this is uh, going through the early parts of the Bible. Well, there's a man in here mentioned in Hebrews chapter 6 that we're going to be focusing on today. It says, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the promises that you give. I thank you for the promises that you make. Lord, help us to obtain what you want for us. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I love how, this, how it talks about this in Hebrews chapter 13. It says, God made a promise to Abraham, and since he had no one greater by whom to swear by, he swore by himself. <laughs> Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Swear to me. So, anyway. <laughs> But what we had, we had the Garden of Eden, and we saw that sin came into the world, and sin overcame the world. Then there's a, 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 a point where, where God saw that sin had got out of hand. He said, I'm going to press reset. And in the times of another man named Noah, he pressed reset. He flooded the earth, and he started again. And then what happened was uh, the earth was repopulated by men, and, and they got so proud, and they built this tower saying, look how good we are. We're as good as God. And God put them in their place, and he separated them by language. And then comes this man named Abraham. This is where we are. Now, Abraham, he was a descendant of Noah. He was a descendant of Noah through that son, Shem, okay? The son, Shem. Now, now he, so Noah was a, I mean, Abraham was a Shemite, or we might say Semite. He was Semitic. 
Okay? Anyone that is Semitic, that means they were descended from Noah's son, Shem. And we often used to, uh, Semitic to refer to Jewish culture or Jewish tradition, but actually it's greater than that. It's Jewish, Arabic, all those that are descended uh, from Noah's son, Shem. And so anyway, Abraham was there, and his, his family was in southern Iraq. That's where Ur was, U-R, Ur. He was in southern Iraq, and Abraham's father had moved the family northwest several hundred miles to, to Turkey, the southern part of Turkey. And then God spoke to Abraham. God spoke to Abraham several times. And when God spoke to Abraham, he made promises, and God kept his promises. And the main point of this message is this. You can write this down if you're using the sermon notes. God is our promise maker and keeper. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. We use the word covenant. God made a covenant with Abraham. And that covenant, it was a pivotal point in in the history of the Lord's interaction with humanity. Because when God made a promise to Abraham, he made a promise to us. And God keeps his promises. So God is our promise maker and our promise keeper. So let's look at that promise in detail. I'm going to go back to Genesis chapter 12. We'll pick up the story of Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And it says this. Now the Lord said to Abram. Abram is another name for Abraham, okay? We'll get to that later. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I'll bless, I'll bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I'll curse you. And get this. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay? Do you get that? That you and I are beneficiaries, beneficiaries of the covenant with Abraham? I will bless you and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's your family. That's you, okay? We're all part of that. So God said, I'll bless you. And to be blessed means to be on the receiving end of God's good favor, God's good work. God wants to show his good words to you, his good will toward you. God wants to bless you, okay? And through Abraham, we're able to receive that, okay? So blessings, um, and so anyway, blessings always start with God. Promises, God's promises always start with God. God promised Abraham that through his descendants, the world was going to be blessed. But to take God up on his promise, Abraham had to take up his stakes, pick up his stakes, and follow the Lord on a lifelong journey. Doesn't that sound like life in Christ? We have promises in Christ. But in order to to receive those promises of Christ, we have to pull up stakes and follow the Lord on a lifelong journey. And the cost can be considerable, but the promises, the riches of the promises are way, way richer, you know, and it takes faith. It means we got to believe the promises of God and we got to follow his promises. So God makes promises. Now, God's promises are always defined by him. I don't, I don't set the terms. Abraham didn't set the terms. God sets the terms for God's promises and, uh, and they're always fulfilled by him. So here's another thing. I need to rely on him, God, the father. As my soul, that's important, my soul promise definer. He needs to be the one that's defining the promise. I need, to, I need to understand the promises that he wants to give me. Sometimes we want to be the promise definer. God, I want you to bless me this way. And then we complain when God doesn't bless me the way we defined it. God, God is the promise definer. So, and we need, to, we need to understand that God is, is, is making the promises. So anyway, we, we rely on ourselves 
rather than trusting God to know what good things we need. God knows what we need. God knows what you need. He knows what's going to bring you the most fulfillment into this life and into eternity. So we need to trust in God and rely on him to be the promise definer. Uh, We know Jesus is not Santa Claus, right? Jesus is not Santa Claus, yes or no? Amen. Amen. He's not Santa Claus, okay? But sometimes we pray like it's Christmas, okay? Of course, we don't go to Santa Claus and pray to Santa. We go to the manger scene. And we take Jesus and Mary. Of course, we don't take Mary. We're Baptists, so we put that in a drawer. But <clears throat> we take little Jesus and say, Jesus, I want a red wagon. Jesus, I really, really, really need a red wagon. I need this red wagon, Jesus. And you know what? If you ever want to see your mother again, isn't that how it is? We black, try to blackmail God. You know, we can't do that. We can't negotiate with God. We can't blackmail God. He had to, we have to take him at his terms, okay? They're always on his terms. So what can I rely on God to do? This is Joshua chapter 24. Take your Bibles, turn to Joshua 24. And, 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 and the Lord said, this is what I will do, because this is what he did to Abraham. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. Here's what he does. He takes us. I took your father, he takes us. Okay, he takes us into his care. He leads us. He leads us through, through all, uh, it says through all the land of Canaan, he leads us through our lives. And then he makes his promises happen. That's what God does. He takes us, he leads us, and then he makes the promises happen. So, so we can trust him. You can rely on God. Are you struggling with trusting God to set the terms of the promise? Are you trusting God to be the definer? You're trusting God to make the promises? So the promises are going to start with God, but how do we find the fulfillment? This is Ephesians 1.3. You see, I think a lot of people might understand the promises, but they try to find the spiritual fulfillment in other things. But when you try to find fulfillment in something that's not what God said, it's a house of cards because there's no foundation. It's going to wobble, it's going to teeter, and it's going to fall. And there's only one foundation. Ephesians 1.3 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed in Christ, blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing we get, okay? He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, where are they found? In Christ. In Christ. The blessings, the promises of God, they start with God and they are fulfilled in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the starting place. If you want fulfillment of Jesus, you, if you want fulfillment of God's promises, seek Christ. That needs to be just the bottom line. Seek Christ first, okay? Seek Christ, and I will find fulfillment in his promise. Uh, you know, seek me and you will find me, you know? Um, seek Christ and you'll find the fulfillment. And Christ is where we find the spiritual blessings. And faith is what puts us there. Faith is what puts us on the receiving end of God's covenant with Abraham. So when God invites you to receive him, and if you've never done this, you need to do this. If you never trusted in Christ as your savior, this is what you need to do today. Before you leave this place, say, I want the promises of God. How am I going to find the promises of God for my life? Well, the first thing is, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God in flesh who came to earth for you? Do you believe that he died for your sins? Do you believe that he overcame death? Do you believe that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father and that he wants to provide for you forgiveness for everything that you've ever done? He wants to put you on a path of purpose. 
And that is available to you. Do you believe that? And if you believe that, have you surrendered to that? And if you've not done that, why not? Why not? What is keeping you from receiving the promises of God? Because the promises start with God, but they, we find them in Jesus Christ. They're fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So seek Christ, okay? Don't hesitate. Seek Christ. Don't negotiate. Don't blackmail. Don't waver. Just, just follow him, and then he'll take you on the next steps. Let's move forward several years later. Genesis 15. Genesis 15, okay? Um, this is probably 12 years later from Genesis 12. The Lord again declared his favor on Abram. And, and uh, what happened was in Genesis 15, Abram is complaining. He says, I don't have kids. You told me 12 years ago I was going to have kids. I don't have any kids. The person that's going to inherit my estate is my servant, Eleazar. I have no kids. What's, what's going on with the promise? And it says that, um, that the Lord told him at that time that that's where God assured Abraham, you're going to have your kids. And in Genesis 15, verse 6, it says that Abraham believed the Lord. He credited to him as righteous. That's where, as righteousness, that that's where, where the righteousness of the Lord was imparted on Abraham. And then if you skip down several verses, you'll find the promise. And I find it very curious. And I find it a little bit dark. But this is Genesis chapter 15, starting at verse 12. It says, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Okay, so this is, this is not roses, okay? This is darkness. And the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs. That doesn't sound great. And will be servants there, and they'll be afflicted for 400 years. What a promise. But I'll bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So uh, in verse 12, God revealed the prophecy, a vision of the future to Abraham. And it came to him in darkness, a dreadful darkness, it says. And, and the prophecy described homelessness. You're going to be sojourners in the land that's not yours. They were homeless. They were going to be enslaved. They were going to be mistreated for 400 years. And, and even among the special people that God loves, dreadful dark times appear. But notice the dark times on this earth are not temporary. He said in verse 16, they're going to come back in the fourth generation. You understand when, when God gave this to Abraham, in two generations, his grandson, Jacob, was going to lead the family into enslavement in Egypt. Just two generations later, okay? So, so his, his great-grandchildren are going to be in slavery uh, there. And they were going to remain there in captivity in Egypt and remain there for over 400 years. But God was going to use that period to turn the children of Abraham into a great and mighty nation. So here's what I want to say to you. Trust God. His faithfulness is constant. Circumstances are not. His faithfulness is constant. Circumstances go up and down, right? They do. And God's faithfulness, just like that. You, you might, if you're trusting in the stock market, <laughs> trust God. Trust God. His faithfulness is constant in the ups and the downs, okay? Bad times do not indicate that God is mad at you. When things go bad, that doesn't mean God's mad at you. God's chosen people went into captivity for 400 years. 
When you can't discern the answer to prayers, that does not mean that God is uncaring, unloving, or unable. Uh, you know, in Genesis 15, you know, this was a repeat of Genesis 12, except it happened 12 years later. And it's not going to be until another 13 years later that Abraham's going to see that first son. I mean, so, so when you can't discern God working, it doesn't mean God's not working. And the situation you're in doesn't, is not a measure of God's faithfulness towards you. God's faithfulness is constant, circumstances are not. And how do you cope with that? That's where you go back to Hebrews 6. Surely I'll bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. There's patience and there's waiting in the promises. But I want you to know the Lord has a blessing for each and every one of you. How many of you know Leslie Hunt on our staff here as our connection minister? You know, 2019, she's serving. And, uh, and what happened was she got that diagnosis, cancer. I mean, just cancer. And, you know, just just turned her world upside down. And then in the middle of that, there was the pandemic. And, you know, all this stuff going on and had to be isolated from everybody. And God provided a way for her in a powerful, powerful way. You need to, if you don't know Leslie's story, you ought to hear Leslie's story. That, that showed circumstances were going up and down and up and down. And God showed himself faithful to Leslie and he will show himself faithful to you. You know, I, I, I'd like you to never encourage you to never doubt God's love. You can question the circumstances. Never doubt God's, doubt God's love or his ability to care for you, no matter what you're facing, because it will pass. Depression, both economic and spiritual and medical, will pass. It will come and go, but the promises of God are steadfast. Okay. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures. See, you know your Bible. That's good. Psalm 118, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. That's right. That's his faithfulness. Now, let me get to the last point here. Genesis 17. In Genesis 17, it says when Abram was 99 years old. Okay. Anybody here 99 years old? Okay. 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. And then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, which means exalted father, but your name shall be Abraham. That means father of many, father of a multitude. For I've made you the father of a multitude of nations. And within a year, he's going to see Isaac being born. Okay. I'll make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me, you and your offspring and after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I'll give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, I will be their God. See, God changed Abraham, which means exalted father, to Abraham, which means the, the father of a multitude or father of many. But God didn't just change Abraham's name. He changed who Abraham was. And this is the last point. When the Lord enters your life, when the Lord makes promises and keeps promises in your life, expect to be changed. Expect to be changed. 
Expect transformation. You know, the, these passages encapsulated a 25-year period of time, okay? And God changed Abram to Abraham. He changed him from childless to becoming a father. He changed him from being a nomad to becoming a landover. He says, whenever the Lord enters our heart and he, and he, he impacts our heart, he changes us. He changes us. He makes us into a new creation. He always makes us better. So, so I guess we look at God as the promise maker and the promise keeper. And what's it going to take for me to take God up on his promises? The question I want to ask you is, how's your journey? How's your journey? Because to receive the promises of God, we got to pull up our stakes and follow God on a lifelong journey. How's your journey? Have you followed it? Have you followed him yet? You know, blessings start with God. So I, I want to ask you, have you started yet? Have you started yet? Have you said, Lord Jesus, I am trusting in you as my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to follow you. Have you done that? Are you trusting him? If you've not, you've not started the journey. And let me encourage you, if you've not started the journey, why would you not want to start it today? If you believe that the Lord is God, and you've not yet trusted him and committed to him, why aren't you starting the journey today? Right now, where you are, why don't you say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I am going to follow you. I'm going to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to follow you with all my energy. Why not do that today? How's that journey? Another question I want to ask you is this. What needs to be changed? What needs to be changed? Is there something that needs transformation in your life? He is the life changer. We're helping people embrace the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. What needs to be changed? What do you have to give over to him? If there's something in your life that needs to be changed, it might be. It might be that thing that you're ashamed of. It may be that guilt. It might be that habit, whatever it is. What needs to be changed? It might be a relationship. What needs to be changed? Are you giving that over to the Lord to let him provide the transformation? Because he'll do it. He'll change you. If you follow him, he'll change you. Uh, the other thing I want to ask you is, is, are you going through a dark time? Do you believe in his faithfulness? Do you trust in his faithfulness? You know, my prayer is that in your journey, just like Abraham, God would change you. He would change your world, that he would change your family, that he would change your identity, and that he would change you for all eternity. God bless you. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this word. Lord, I pray if there's someone here that needs to take a step of faith, that first step of faith. Lord, in, in turning from sin and turning to you, Lord, that they would do that today. Lord, we know that those that reject you, Lord, the Bible says we spend eternity separated from you in hell, but when we receive you, Lord, that you immediately forgive our sins and you open up the gates of heaven. Lord, I pray that someone is making that decision now. Lord, I pray if there's someone that needs to make a decision public, Lord, they need, to, they need to present themselves for baptism or church membership. Lord, you give them the courage, Lord, to pull up stakes from where they are in the pew and take that journey forward, signifying that journey forward in their life. Lord Jesus, I pray that whatever step we're at, Lord, that we would receive the promises that you've made to us and that we'd believe you and that we trust you that we commit to you and that we follow you and all to your glory as you keep those promises. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. We're coming to a time of response. If the Lord is calling you, you know, I invite you to stand right now. We're going to sing a song.
And if the Lord's calling you to come forward, say, I'd like to present myself for baptism or I'd like to be a member of the church. This is the time. Just come forward. Say, I'd like to be a member. You don't have to do it in Latin or anything like that. Just come forward. <laughs> say what you want and we'll help you take those next steps, okay? church gathered for worship to the church scattered for service. Receive your blessing from God's word, holding to the sure and certain promise that it is God who establishes us in Christ 
and has anointed us, and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Go out now, confident that what God has promised, he will fulfill. And all God's people who believed that said, Amen.